Uh, my name is Josh Williams. I'm the lead pastor here at Elm City Vineyard. I'm very thankful that y'all came out. Uh, there's some things going on this morning, right? Just some, some weather alerts and you're, you're here. So I appreciate that. That is a really good thing. Hey, thanks. You're welcome. Uh, you know, we're approaching Labor Day. Sorry to tell you that. Josh Glob doesn't like that. And last Labor Day was terrifying. I sent my daughter to kindergarten. And before this picture was taken, where she kind of like, is it a smile? Is it not? It's like a smize, you know. Um, she, she was not as happy as she maybe is in this picture. Three months earlier, she was terrified. And so were Tina and me. I think Joy was okay. Like, Joy like went to preschool and she was just fine. I don't, I don't know. I don't know the magic that's in preschool, even like full day preschool to make kids, at least our kids, they were just fine with it. But something at kindergarten, like that was the thing. Like I don't know if it was uh, about the, the eighth graders and the fact that they felt like so tall. Maybe it's being away from mom and dad, like the kids she didn't know. Like there were teachers before, there were teachers here, but somehow kindergarten was intimidating. Very, very intimidating. And her November birthday for Zoe meant that she was maybe around five, six months behind other kids. And so, you know, as we got up to the date, I wondered if this was all talk. Like, she'll be fine. Like, it's okay. Like, there's nothing to worry about. Maybe I was telling myself that, but I just thought it would be okay. It couldn't be that bad. Walking with Zoe and Joy, my dad was even there. So she had a lot of people. It was bad, y'all. It was bad. Like, there was, like, one other kid that, like, you know, was on a similar journey. The journey was, like, very wet, very tearful, um, very clingy. Like, legs became part of, like, Zoe's body. And we were in the classroom, but we weren't supposed to be in the classroom. So then we were out of the classroom, but then we were back in. And, like, other kids were struggling, too, but not, not like mine. And it was just getting to be a very elongated affair. It was not great. This is how it went down. And I became a little bit scared. Like, what if Zoe never adjusts? Like, what if she never goes to kindergarten? What, what happens to a kid that never goes to kindergarten? Like, I don't know. Do they get to the number stage? Like, the one, two, and three? Do they just get stuck somewhere? Like, what, what happens to us? Are we negligent in that case? Like, I, I'm not sure. I freaked out a little bit. And then I remembered something. I'm a parent. God helps parents. God's helped my parents. And actually, this was all a little familiar, which is maybe why it was really scary for me. This had happened before with me. I was the kindergartner, the scared kindergartner, terrified to leave home. And someone pulled me aside, my teacher, my kindergarten teacher, Mrs. Harvey, and she said, Josh, I too get scared when I'm doing something new. I get scared when I'm far away from my family. So I want you to go home and ask your parents, do they have a picture that you could bring with you so that when you get scared, you can look at this picture, and this is like the exact one, like with the gold little framing, there's three other pictures, or two other pictures, and like open up your desk. I don't know if other people have this, like the desk, like why were they that big? Like why were they that, that clumsy? Of course they were just four fingers to get like smushed in and then you screamed. I don't know why we had those. Zoe doesn't have those, I don't think. And take a look at that picture. And remember, your family is with you. 
even if it's only in your heart. So with that knowledge and that memory, I went home and I told my mom the idea and I came uh, back to school, oh sorry, sorry, that's back to school with that picture. And then decades later, I had, you know, a way of putting it forward. Zoe and I went to get some ice cream afterwards to help the tears stop. I told her this story, confirmed with a call to my mom, because I was like, I'm just not making this up. Mom, like, remember what happened? Yeah, it happened. And was I okay, mom? Yeah, you were okay. Will you be okay, Zoe? Yeah, you'll be okay, Zoe, because your family's with you, God is with you. And so then Tina got to work, we pulled out some pictures and uh, we pulled this one up, a picture of our family. And Tina did even something more amazing. It was like a photo album. It wasn't just our pictures. It was some of your pictures, some of your faces. Because Zoe has even more, I think, family than I did then. Even more people around her. Like generation to generation, there's actually something that's grown through her story. And it wasn't magic, and I'm sure this photo book wasn't all of it, but y'all, it worked. Like, it did. Like, she was okay, and I was like, why were you okay? She's like, the photo album. I was like, was it the promise of ice cream? She's like, no, remember, I, I got ice cream after I cried, so it wasn't the promise of ice cream. It was, it was that I could remember, y'all. It's like, okay, this is great. Just like I had felt decades before, Zoe knew that when she became afraid, she could trust that people she loved were with her, even if she couldn't see them, even if we weren't there. And if she wasn't that sure, she could open up her bag, she could pull out that photo album and flip through the pictures to let her know that she wasn't alone. She didn't have to fear, neither did I, and neither do you. You don't have to. Whether or not you can locate a picture of your parents and see the amazing 80s, 70s, 60s hair and outfits, whether or not that picture would bring you comfort, depending on your relationship with your parents, God is with you right here, right now. And there's an invitation to not be afraid. There's a saying that the Bible has 365 recordings of be not afraid, one for every day. And that saying, with some ECV teaching team research, is completely untrue. It's just not true at all. Like, it's just not, it's utterly wrong. And yet this phrase is in the Bible a lot. And the believability of that number, because it's in the Bible a lot, and because I think we know we do need it every day, makes it still a convicting story, even if it's a story. It's important. Be not afraid. God says it. Angels say it. People say it. Jesus says it. Be not afraid. Fear not. Do not be afraid, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Right here, right now. Let's pray. God, I believe you are here in this room, and I believe your presence, your very presence that we felt earlier in worship, we felt through announcements, God, that that presence drives out fear. I believe that's what you do. So Lord, would you come and do that now, in this time, in this day, in our own lives, in our church, in our city, do the work of ridding fear from us as an act of care and an act of love in the name of Jesus. Amen. In this series, Be Not Afraid, I have one big hope, that we would sense God's invitation, that God is with us 
and we don't have to be afraid. And, and the meaning of that would change our lives. The practicals would actually change something about who we are, what we do. That it would be something where we could be aligned further with God's spirit, with curiosity about following Jesus, if that's our step. Maybe it's sharpening our daily obedience, or maybe it's just deepening our ordinary discipleship for the long haul. We're usually scared about something that's out there, that's uh, tricky, that, that's strange. And I think when something becomes ordinary, we tend not to be afraid in the same way. Can part of what we do this season at ECV is decide some things just aren't going to make us scared anymore. Could that be what happens in your life? Let's be honest, fear holds us back. Yes, from many important things, like hurting people we love, who we're angry with, maybe from unsafe and risky situations, doing something that we might wisely regret later. Like, those things are important. Like, sometimes we have a fear to keep us from something, that fear is actually good. It keeps us safe, it keeps us healthy, it keeps us in proper boundaries. But fear also keeps us from trusting who or what is actually trustworthy, doing what is noble and just, sacrificing that would bring us meaning and fulfillment, a building a kind of connection or sets of connections in our life that would bring us life and not death. This is made genuinely harder because there are threats, very real threats to our well-being. There are people that don't want our best, threats that we have against us, or maybe a demographic that we embody or are part of, ways that systems and structures can be manipulated to exact punishment even religious ones. And of course, there's a real living enemy that scripture talks about all the time in the Old Testament and the New Testament, a living enemy that some of us have felt has been chasing us or pursuing us, perhaps with the kind of closeness that makes us wonder, God, where are you? Are you powerful? Are you strong? Simply put, fear often keeps us from the work of Jesus that God would so want us to join, love, service, humility, holiness, integrity, healing, justice, and mercy. These are invitations for us. And sometimes fear, I believe, holds us back, keeps them from saying yes, keeps us from saying yes. And yet there's this call that we see again and again in scripture to not be afraid. Usually said by a divine actor, right? God, Jesus, you know, a presence of an angel usually said there. Sometimes, like, the shock of that is why it seems like they might be saying, like, don't be afraid. It's like, hey! It's like, whoa, don't be afraid. Like, I'm just an angel, right? Like, sometimes it's that way. Other times people are like, this situation is horrible. I'm about to die. This is crazy. Don't be afraid. And sometimes it is a little bit of, who are you, God? Who are you to me? No, don't be afraid. It works differently in our lives. There's a way that sometimes we can have fear because we don't trust that God is with us. We don't trust that love is full. We're not sure about death or loss and how close it actually is. But the do not fear gets at that faith is what we have. Trust is available to us. Love is not through with us yet. And that there's a way through death or loss, 
through Christ. Death and loss are not the end, period. But that's not, I think, all there is. And I feel like here's where I just want to really invite us to be honest today. Sometimes it's not just the hard situations in our lives that make us afraid. It's the very real invitations that we can feel God gives us. An invitation for courage, for integrity, for honesty, to do something new. And that is the reason why we're scared. Because we're not sure what it would mean to say yes to God. Even a God of love. Even a God we've said yes to before. We're unsure what to do with that invitation. And maybe the Holy Spirit making the Spirit known actually makes us even more nervous. Wait, like I'm at home group and someone like said this thing that I already felt in prayer. What does that mean for me? I'm experiencing God's power in worship. I've even like moved to tears here in this space. Like what's going on? Sometimes it can be God's divine activity that makes us nervous that this is all getting a bit too real for us. Have you been there before? Who is this God? Maybe this God isn't as trustworthy as we thought. Maybe he's secretly about death or loss. Maybe a co-conspirator in stealing, killing, or destroying. I can be real on a summer day, y'all. Is that okay? Shirley says yes, I think. And maybe we're just afraid because God is weird. And God's like showing up in a weird way. Like, why would God tell someone else something that I need to know? This is weird. I don't want them to know my business. I don't, I don't like this. I think there's a lot that's going to surface for us in this journey together at ECV as we press into fear. But I want us to remember that God tells us not to be afraid over and over and over again. And I think it's not just because we like need to hear that, like we're just dull-headed or something like that, hard-headed. I think it's also because our fears change over time. They shift. And actually, I think there's something, I think this is a word for us at ECV, that as we grow, our fears change and grow and deepen sometimes. Like we're doing like pretty good in a season, but then our fear comes up and we wonder, "Uh uh-oh, I'm not doing as well anymore. And I don't don't think that's actually the case. I think it's that there's a, a call to maturity And so our fear has shifted to keep us from that journey into maturity. We're going to look at two passages today. One is a passage in Lamentations, a book in Hebrew scripture that features the way we call out to God when we are afraid. And the other one maybe is a familiar text to you from the New Testament. It's uh, just a brief story about Mary, the mother of Jesus, who also hears these words, do not be afraid, uh, a way that God's inviting her to a different journey. And we see do not fear, be not afraid, work in different ways in these texts. One's a life in Lamentations where we're crushed, and we ask God to show up, and he does, saying, fear not. And the other is a life where we're still crushed, and God shows up and freaks us out, and he says, fear not. And he instructs us in how to relieve the crushing of others. One is honestly a little bit more about our story. And the other one usually is about a bigger story, the story of others that we can join in. So let's read the passages together. This one's Lamentations 3, verses 55 through 57. We're kind of coming in midstream, and I'll share a little bit about that. I called on your name, Lord, from the depths of the pit. You heard my plea. Do not close your ears to my cry for relief. You came near when I called you, and you said, do not fear. You, Lord, took up my case. 
You redeemed my life. In the next passage, we see this. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And the next part of the scripture is this instruction and invitation for what's going to happen with the birth of Jesus. Then Mary says, after this explanation, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Two different narratives, two different times in the life of the story of God, the story of scripture, but I wanted to place those side by side today. We can see how they're different, but that command to not be afraid is the same. In one situation, we fear because we need rescue, like we desperately need something to change. That author of the text is just saying, things are so bad. They're so horrible. I need you, God. And what does God do? God comes close and then like kind of interprets the close and saying, hey, I'm close, but you don't need to be afraid. I'm right here with you. And then in the next one, we see that we fear because we receive God's invitation, we're unsure what to think about it. And I wanna ask you at this point, what fear, if any, is in your life? That if any is because I'm polite and because I love you, but I, I think you probably are afraid of something. And I don't think that's news to you. What, if any, fears in your life? And as you think about that, what, what kind of fear is it? Is it in response to a personal challenge? Or does it relate to something God's been talking to you about, something God's been putting his finger in, uh, a way that you maybe have become aware of God and you're not sure how to resolve that? What does this bring up for you and your own journey? One thing I hope it brings up is that God loves to clarify his commitment to us. God loves to say to us, look, I'm right here. I'm with you. Do not be afraid. There's these commands many times hey, I'm close to you, you don't need to fear in Lamentations. And also, you're favored. God's favor is with you in the case of Mary. And earlier in Lamentations, what we see is that this lament strikes squarely, not just kind of at anyone, but honestly, if you read it or if you know it, like, it's at God. Like the author says, God, why have you put me through this? Why have you let these bad things happen? Why are you putting our nation in this predicament? But then, there's a movement. It says, but God, I know that your mercies are new every morning. You're faithful. I can trust in you. And then there's this kind of clarification. If, that, if that's who you are, God, then I can ask you for help. But it, it seems important then that the author started off being like, God, are you for me? Are you against me? That when God comes close, God clarifies. You don't need to be afraid. Like, you don't need to be afraid. I'm with you. You don't need to be afraid. I know you were confused earlier but you called for me, I came close to you, and I said you don't need to fear. There is relief in that. Specifically, we've been confused about who's brought about pain in our lives, God or something or someone else. God comforts the author with action and response, closeness and we calls, and a call to not fear that allows the author to trust that the Lord has what? Taken up his case. 
redeemed his life. Mary, too, has her own journey of this. She wonders about the strange presence of this divine actor. It troubles her. And sensing the question of what kind of encounter this will be, the angel representing God's message says, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Then he shares the assignment from her. One person needed help, and one person was asked to help, and both were called to not be afraid. A few more questions for you. Where have you needed help and rescue from a place of fear? I guess if you think about your life, you could answer it more broadly or maybe more specifically the last few months. Where has there been a situation where you've actually needed rescue from a place of fear from your own situation? I'm just going to give you a few seconds to think about how that might be real for you. Perhaps it has something to do with finances, relationships, your job, reputation. These are things that can feel like external things outside of your control. Have any of them brought you fear? The next, where has the Lord prompted you to join in his mission? And fear is among your responses. Not your only response, but among your responses. This is for someone here that you've been relating to Jesus. You've been in a time of prayer. And you feel like God's actually becoming present to you. And that is the scary thing. I remember there were times where we were doing work uh, as a crew doing nonviolence, and there were a few meetings, I think there were like two in particular, where we got to a place where you could tell the, the mood shifted. And I think we became afraid, because we realized the things that we were uh, sensing God was inviting us into seemed scary. To go to the place where someone was slain, you know what that means, like it's a place where someone got shot and killed and we're gonna go there, disconnected mostly from the situations. That's scary. The people we'll meet, do we have the words? Do people want us to be there? No one's invited us exactly. And yet it felt like a holy moment, and we named it. People actually named it with tears. I think God's inviting us to change, to be different. That felt like one of those that wasn't out of our personal circumstances, but it was God inviting us, and we could sense that through the Holy Spirit's presence, even like heat sometimes in our body, tears coming down for some of us, and even just a sense, honestly, of nervousness. But it felt like a different nervousness. Versus maybe for some of you who've been in home group, you've had someone share, like, I'm just having a horrible experience right now. Something is crushing me, and there's fear, and we've joined around them to care for them. Like, we became the presence of God in a situation that seemed like it didn't have it. To me, these different ways of being afraid are really important, but God's actually inviting us deeper into both. And sometimes that one that is about God, we can say, you know what, that's not fear. That's something else. I'll just kind of, if I delay the invitation, right, then I don't have to be afraid. Like if God's telling me to do something, I can just put it off a little bit. But I feel like there's this way that God wants us to say yes and to hear that call to not be afraid, even if it might be a conversation with God that's highlighting some fears for us. Where do we need to hear, be not afraid? One quick thing we'll do is just to see that this isn't, uh, kind of just like a pleasant, pleasant phrase that brings us emotional comfort. It's not just like we have like angels like kind of like passing out like Oprah does free cars, right? Like, be not afraid, be not afraid, be not afraid, and, and it has no power. Like, there actually is power, and we can see that from the words of Jesus. Let's read this. It's from the Gospel of Matthew. 
Jesus says that he's sending out his disciples like sheep among wolves. It's right before their solo mission. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes, as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You'll be handed over to the local councils and flogged to the synagogues. There's just more that it says there. And then I'm going to skip forward a little bit. At that time, you'll be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. At that time, brother will betray brother to death, a father's child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. This does not seem good. Last line, if the head of the house has been called Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household? It's like reference to, again, this evil I was talking about before. We can move to the next part. So, do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. We've got this verse where Jesus makes it really clear. Like, there's something you can be afraid of, but don't be afraid of anything else but me. And I love you. I care about you even more than sparrows. There's a father's care that you're under, that you're in. Why are you afraid? Why is fear like one of the things that is just so loud in you? This isn't just like a kind or nice expression to Jesus. He thinks it has power like real power for our lives to know that we don't have to be afraid. This kind of heavenly parental care gives Jesus' followers access to a new kind of life, even more so when they see the one who has led them into this courageous life die and then be resurrected. Remember, love is conquering death, death that's not the end. Even more so, these folks, they wait for the Spirit to come, and the Spirit actually comes, and they're filled with boldness to tangibly express the love of God with others. Even more so when they see this message move from tax collector to zealot, Jew to Gentile, nation to nation, generation to generation to us, be not afraid. So these aren't just words for like a spiritual high. I think they're actually meant to be really powerful for us, even in our lives today. Now, I know sometimes we think about our own experiences hearing messages like this or even like taking on like, okay, so like how am I going to be courageous? I just want you to know like to be told do not be afraid by God doesn't mean that fear goes away or that our relationship with fear even maybe uh, changes like as in it's not around anymore. And for some of us that might struggle with anxiety, that's still around too. There's, uh, that can still be around too. There's a, a quote from uh, Franklin Roosevelt that says, courage is not the absence of fear but rather the assessment that something else is more important than fear. And that's what I think happens here. Like, that's what's happening. It's not always that fear is going away, but rather God gives us an assessment that's new through the Holy Spirit that now tells us something else is more important than fear. If you don't like your FDR quotes, there's a scripture that I think says something kind of like that. There is no fear in love, 
But perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. Whenever fears has not reached perfection in love, there's this perfection happening in us because it's all about relationship now, where fear basically just has the volume turned down as something else, namely God's love, maybe faith, maybe hope get turned up. Fear might be on the background, but y'all, you know, had a conversation like in a coffee shop where you're like, why is this pop music blasting? And you've still listened to your friend, only me. They're just so loud in coffee shops these days. But there's something about knowing, yeah, there's a backtrack of fear, but there's something more powerful going on in my heart that's the work of love. As we wrap up, I want to invite us into an exercise. Um, for some of you, uh, this might be deep and intense. For others of you, I don't know. But it, as I prepped, I was like, wow, this is kind of powerful. And I'll share a little bit about... Uh, what this kind of question can mean that I'm going to pose to you. If you want a piece of paper or pens, you can raise your hand. Um, Tina can give that to you. If you have a phone, if you just want to do this, and I'll share a little bit, um, but sometimes it's helpful to write it down. I want you to think of uh, yeah, this invitation to reflect on our fears, and I want you to think about what are pivotal moments of your life when what you feared changed. Because maybe... Uh, Maybe I'll find out how different I am from other people here. Like for me, I've often been afraid of the same thing for like seasons or stretches of my life. Or there's been things that like trigger my fears. And so I'm wondering for you, what are pivotal moments of your life when what you feared changed? If it helps to give you uh, some examples, I don't know if that kindergarten moment for me was like the first time like I was actually afraid, but it's certainly the first time I kind of recognized it. But that wasn't kind of a persistent thing. I got over that with the help of God and my family. But when I began being bullied persistently in second grade, I'd say for about 10 years, that was the source of a lot of my fear. When I left high school and stopped being bullied, like that fear changed. When I entered an elite campus, Yale, across the street, desperate for belonging, my fears changed again. When I recommitted to following Jesus more deeply, my fears really changed. When I started, I'm, Tina has not reviewed this, so I'll talk about this later, Tina. But when I, when I started dating Tina, my fears changed. When I realized I was becoming a pastor, my fears changed. As I kind of eased into married life with Tina, my fears changed. When I became a parent, my fears changed. Now, I didn't do like a month-long exercise around this or even a week-long, so this is for me even cursory. But I found it so helpful to see the ways my life has been marked by certain fears and how certain things I was afraid of before, I'm actually not afraid of now, truly, which is amazing, right? Praise God. But there's ways that I was afraid, even as a kid, where even some of the ways I was afraid, those still come back up. Get what I'm saying? Like the fear might be gone, but the way the fear manifests can just change. But I'll tell you something really true. When I started to follow Jesus, my fears really did shift because things I was chronically afraid of, especially uh, without God's presence there, really did go away in a substantial way. There were kind of like baseless fears that I was obsessive over. I was like, they were so present to me that just, they went to the back. And then honestly, a lot more of my fears came in conversation with God. I was like, God, really? How could this be good? Like, how could this be your invitation? I'm so scared, God. But they were actually fears I was working out 
even in like my anxiety, I was working out with the Lord. So I wonder for you, even just take a few moments to think about what were situational fears where you needed rescue as you think about that kind of story of your life. And maybe where were there fears that were actually with the Spirit's presence and godly invitation? It's so awesome to be here in this community and to even see some of you and to know some of the parts of your journey or to even hear common things that I hear at ECV. Like going to a home group actually was that place of becoming known where like there was fear they had and then the fear shifted and changed. It was being in a triad, a smaller place where they could actually really share. Like home group was being known, but then this was really being known of joining us doing something in the city and for others of us, we're just like, we're just on a street corner. And for them, they're shaking because they didn't know what it would mean to seek peace in our city. For some people, it's even just the trust of coming here and being part of a church from some of the trauma you've experienced. God has things that he wants to put his finger on today. Ways that you might be afraid over something situationally. He wants to say, I'm with you. Do not be afraid and also ways that he's been inviting you to things, and he wants to speak to you about them. I really believe that today God wants us to be reminded that he always has our backs for situations where we need his rescue, where we can respond to the word, fear not with trust. And I also believe God wants to recommit to us today that when we're afraid, we can remember that God is with us. It's not an endorsement that <laughs> the fear is gonna go away but rather the faith, hope, and love that we have that the volume can be turned up on, that can be turned up. Faith that God is trustworthy, hope that God is making all things new, love that we can experience a defeated death on the cross. When we are not afraid, or when we maybe fear but something else is louder, there are really different possibilities. Like there's science to this, like ways that we can get stuck in flight, or freeze, or fight, and fights that often can be ungodly. Like, it can really change as we face something with God. Like Roosevelt said, assessment. A lot of times when something triggers us, we don't want to assess anything. We want to either get the heck out of there, or we want to get to fighting, right? And sometimes we want both, and then we actually literally freeze. Like, it's like, I wanted to punch the person, but now I just look like this, and I'm kind of silly and vulnerable, maybe I'll run now. Like, we actually get stuck in a position, right? But when we can see the love of God, when we experience the love of God, we can really face something. This is actually part of our vision here at ECV, part of our vision as a church, part of our statements that are kind of statements of practice, we can go one more, is to follow Jesus with daily courage that overcomes fear and darkness. Do we do that because we've lost all fear, because we've become like the uh, latest action hero, whatever the movies are? No. It's because we know that Jesus is actually with us, that hopefully he's gained a little bit of a track record in our life for helping us out of situational problems where we don't have to fear anymore, and because we've experienced some really weird stuff where God said, hey, I want you to be at a church, or go to a home group, or share this with your coworker. And we've said yes, and our life hasn't fallen apart. Actually, we gained some momentum to know like, God was here. God was leading me into this.
How many stories have we heard about like that here in our community? How many stories have we heard about people's lives changing because of something that happened here, even a moment of prayer on the side of the room? A woman who felt led by God to adopt a terminally ill baby who ended up passing away. She was afraid, but because she felt the spirit of God, she took a risk. She moved and pursued God in the grief, and she pursued God in the rebuilding. All those things happened with fear dialed up, but what was dialed up more? The love of God meeting her. How many stories have we heard about God changing lives through joining community? A man joining a home group, never really sharing that much about their life, starting to share, and it was kind of explosively all over the place, and then finding out, wait, people like me for who I am, not just for what I do. And then some things shed away, and they found out that they had a, had a vocational call as an artist that was amazing. And they got there by being themselves, not by faking it. How many stories have we heard of unlikely friends, strangers becoming family, even just this past summer, two people praying on our church steps, someone seeing that prayer happen. And they said, I was told in my country before I came and came across the border to look for the Christians. You all are praying, like, on the church steps. Are you the ones I'm looking for? Like, are you the Christians? Yes. Also, I don't speak Spanish. Can we call Tina and, like, have her help? She ended up at a barbecue that we were doing hours later. She's in community now. What kinds of things are in your story? What kinds of things have you seen in our collective story? We're going deeper, I think, than we've ever been before, trying to press into ways that things that maybe really were causing us to fear can be maybe more ordinary. Not, not easy, right? I didn't say easy, but just ordinary parts of our discipleship. Whether that's our relationship with our city as we pursue peace, whether it's conversations we've been in around sex and gender, even among disagreement and in disagreement, deep disagreement. Maybe it's things that you've been going through professionally or with your friendships and you're bringing them to our church. You're actually being revealing of what's going on in your life and you're finding out that no one's turning you away. You're able to say, I can be here and receive prayer. God is at work amongst us. God is at work in you. And that same call is true to be not afraid. I didn't realize when I was a kindergartner how much what I went through that moment would be basically the same lesson that I had for so much more of my life. I didn't realize that Miss Harvey and what she did would basically become part of what I would wanna do as I grew up. Just telling someone, you don't need to be afraid. Remember, God is with you. People you love are with you. There's something that's being built. It might not make the fear go away, but it will change you and change us. And love can be louder than that fear. I want to invite you all to stand. I'm going to invite Patrick to come up to you. One of the great things about love is it's endless. It's infinite. It's a resource that we have as we pursue Jesus. We can pray right now for the love of God to come and to fall on us and to cast out fear as we begin our journey. Only you know if you have a situation in your life where you're just saying, help, I don't even believe in Jesus yet. 
but I just want to say help, and I want anyone's help. <laughs> and only you know if you've been in a conversation with the Lord where there is fear for you because you don't know what's on the other side of obedience, of a yes to Jesus. But I want to invite you, wherever you are, to open up your hands and to let the love of God come. The love of God come powerfully in this space to move you and jostle you out of fear into that heavenly parental care that we saw Jesus talk about. Holy Spirit, would you have your way here? Take away the fear. Take away the fear. Fear that has been caused by enemies. Fear be removed in the name of Jesus. Fear that has been caused by chosen family in moments of weakness or hurt or betrayal. Fear be removed in the name of Jesus. Fear that has been caused by parents who are meant to be actors of love. Fear be removed in the name of Jesus. Fear that has been caused by religious folk institutions. We remove it now in the name of Jesus. Fear be gone. You have no place here. You have no authority. You do not win in the end. And even fear that's encroaching on our relationship with God. Invitations are actually for life that we somehow see a little differently. God, meet us gently. Call us forward. We say, Lord, forgive us. If we've confused your voice for a voice of shame and condemnation, a voice of aggression, a voice that doesn't love us, we say, we don't want that voice, and we know it's not yours, or we're trying to learn it's not yours. So help us, God. Let your perfect love cast out all fear. just want to give us a, a few invitations before Patrick gives us a few more. We're going to have a time of prayer on the side, and especially if you're feeling the Lord doing something in you right now, I want you to either turn to a neighbor uh, or someone you know here and receive prayer, or to, re uh, to go to the side and to receive prayer. I just feel like there's a lot of things God wants to do in terms of freeing us from fear today. So please take that invitation seriously. I think there's another way that some of the conversations that you've been having with God, I feel like God wants to invite a partner into those conversations. So prayer ministry is a great way to partner with someone. And I also feel like there's people here where you've been wondering, okay, I want to do some of this stuff, but I need to actually recommit to Jesus first or to come to faith for the first time. And if that's the case, I'd love to pray with you. I know our prayer minister would love to pray with you. I'll be in the back of the sanctuary. But when Jesus says, do not be afraid, when God says, do not be afraid, for, the, for I'm with you, part of that witness is a relationship that we can have with Jesus that can last forever.